Since 1965, the ACEC Life Health Trust has provided innovative health care benefits and services to ACEC member firms. We offer a variety of benefits to meet the unique needs of your firm, including fully insured, level funded, stop loss, and ancillary products. Visit our website at aceclifehealthtrust.com to learn more about our affordable employee benefit options for ACEC member firms. Backed by the financial strength of the ACEC Life Health Trust. Welcome to Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And today I'm very pleased to be joined by Leo McLeod. He is the author of the new book, From the Ground Up Stories and Lessons from Architects and Engineers Who Learned to Be Leaders. Leo is uh, the founder of Training Coaching Pi. Uh, he helps architects, engineering, and construction firms with coaching, training, and leadership transition. And he regularly presents at uh, ACEC in Oregon, uh, the Oregon chapter, and he's uh, really involved in the development and, uh, and continuation of their leadership program. Uh, he does speak nationally on leadership development, emotional intelligence, and why baking pie is a great way to develop soft skills, which yeah. is kind of a funny thing. I kind of get into that after after uh, we kind of kick off here. Um, and uh, uh, Leo uh, comes to us with a uh, BA in English with honors from Portland State University, and uh, he is uh, both a uh, an experienced freelance writer, fundraiser, and advertising executive and consultant and uh, is an author who has appeared in the Daily Journal of Commerce and the Business Journal. And Leo, uh, really do appreciate you coming in and, and being our first in-studio, new studio. It's nice. Right? I, I can tell people it's really gorgeous. I love the way you've got it decorated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with like chairs and unpacked no, boxes. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, edit, edit that out. Edit that part. <laughs> well, it's, it's you know. It I love great. the view. It's really beautiful. Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's, it's fine. It's glorious. Um, but I, I really do appreciate you coming in because this is a great book. I, uh, I, I really kind of. Uh, identify with a lot of this and I, I really like how you frame it because it's a it's a series of lessons and it's all framed with a story mm-hmm. so that you have an actual story mm-hmm. that kind of sets up the lesson mm-hmm. and uses it as a case study and you really cover a wide range of issues from you know just starting out on that path of of, of becoming an emerging leader to kind of figuring out how to delegate time, communicate, deal with time management, deal with the demands of, of, of uh, more responsibility. And it's, it's really jam packed with information. Mm -hmm. Good. I'm glad you liked it. And yeah, I mean, you know, the funny thing is like, you know, nobody, nobody, there's no, there's no handbook for leadership that you're given or, or you're trained. You're, you're given the opportunity that you're maybe identified at a firm or, you know, anywhere as a potential leader and then you're kind of put into that position and you might have some of the, you might be lucky and have some of those skills just kind of inherently, you know, raw, but you know, the actual soft skills, right. That that's the trial by fire. Right. You know, I mean, you know, in your experience, you know, how many actual natural leaders have you encountered? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I need to think about that because 
Because people can be strong in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I remember I talked to a head of a large civil engineering company and he said, it's really difficult to find leaders who are technically strong mm-hmm. and who also are strong in emotional intelligence. Yeah. So what, what, what does emotional intelligence mean? Basically it means be able to understand yourself and others and finesse your relationships, understand uh, how to navigate difficult conversations, how to develop those relationships, how to actually want to have people follow you. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, if you think about what a leader is, a leader isn't anyone unless there's someone behind them following them. Yeah, exactly. And he said the challenge is that if you go ahead and just promote somebody who is a strong technical leader, Mm -hmm. they don't have the relationship skills. They're, They're not thinking about how to develop the people under them, how to mentor them, how to bring them up, how to empower them, all that, all the stuff I talk about in the book. But on the other hand, if you, if you give that mantle promotion to somebody who is emotionally intelligent, mm-hmm. who is a really like a great person to hang with, people love them, but they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to like design a bridge, for instance, or, you know, <laughs> actually design a building or anything, they don't have those technical skills, yeah. then the people aren't going to follow them. Mm-hmm. So they, they need the, they need the creds to be able to do the work first and foremost. And that's why in this industry, it's why the book is called from the ground up because it needs to start with being competent as a doer. Like you need to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Or in order to have clients say, yeah, I'm going to hire you and I want you on my team and, I'll listen to what you're saying and yeah, let's go ahead and do that. And then bring in additional clients and generate that revenue. And then eventually get into that position where somebody says, yeah, you're doing really great as a doer. I want you to start managing some people and mentoring them. And that's the switch. That's the challenge is to say, what? Like now my job is managing people. Yeah. I'm really good at managing projects and understanding how to, how to do the technical components. But this business of actually figuring people out, listening to them, asking questions, uh, reading them. How is this person different? How do they want to be communicated? It's like, oh my God, my head's going to explode. Yeah. You know, how do I deal with all the the additional challenges that's now on my plate suddenly that I'm in this position because people are wanting more of my time. I'm having mm-hmm. to do more reviews during, you know, during the year and it can be really draining. Yeah. And, it's, and it's a lot. It's also that point of, knowing when to detach, right? Because mm-hmm. our industry is full of very analytical, smart people who tend to be a little bit type A to an extent, right? They're, they're very work because they have to be detail oriented to be able to design what our firms design. You have to be very focused on accuracy and, you know, being as perfect as, as, as you can so that you're delivering something before you sign your name on a, on, on a piece of paper right. and hand it to a client. And there's that push pull of, mm-hmm. I could do it better myself. I, I could just mm-hmm. get this going. Yes. And, and, and how, you know, how do you make that transition from being the doer to the 
overseer, the manager, the leader, and the mentor, mm-hmm. and and making that transition. Because I mean, you know, I have those same issues. You know, mm-hmm. I've got, you know, starting this up, I kind of learned this myself, and now I'm trying to bring more people into doing the podcast. And yeah, you always have that feeling. Well, I can edit this real quick. I know, right? That's and the trap. So it, it's with you know what what do you how do you approach the the avoiding that trap because you have a couple of stories in the book of people who are just stretched too thin mm-hmm. you know that that one story i think um the guy's name was uh was jay mm-hmm. where it was you know wakes up at three o'clock in the morning yeah and he's already stressed you know, out stressed out and behind mm-hmm. and he never gets ahead mm-hmm. and it looks like he's not doing what he needs to do at the at work he's not responding mm-hmm. to clients he has issues at home because he's already behind mm-hmm. you know it's that how do you approach that emotional intelligence part of being able to detach from it and actually allow somebody to come in and and and, and start right. doing that work so because somebody asked me this the same question like how do you start this process <laughs> and and there's a lot to it there's a, what I would suggest is, that you first get the stuff off your plate that's just like, duh, really? Like, I shouldn't be doing this. There's stuff that you need to pay attention to because if the building isn't designed correctly, it may fall down and kill people. You know, I mean, there's stuff like that, but there's a lot of stuff where that's actually not the case. There's, There's really long meetings there's a lot of email. There's a lot of things where the stakes are not high at all. It's just, it's doing work. It's a lot of administrative stuff. It's like a lot of stuff where you're saying, really? Like, should I be doing this? Is this the best use of my time? Yeah. Right? So even in your situation, you think, okay, I've got an eight-hour day. How much of it's really quality time where it really requires me, Jeff, to do this? And what's the other stuff where, like, somebody else should be doing this? Yeah. Right. Someone else should be in that meeting. Someone else should be could be handling the scheduling, for instance. Like scheduling is a great example, right? That the scheduling a meeting is not going to impact the integrity of a design of a building, of a road, of a bridge. <laughs> it's just it's just an administrative task. So what I say is, first of all, look at those things that are gobbling up your time and be smart about it. Either delegate it, ignore the urgency to jump on and do it yourself, or shrink it. Shrink it is my favorite strategy because it really is about saying, uh, oh, wow, I got an hour meeting with Andrew Fort. Maybe I can make that for 15 minutes. Yeah. Right? Hey, can we meet for 15 minutes? You know what? You can do it. You can get to the point, get your work done. You don't need to actually work in these artificial blocks of having a whole bunch of people in a meeting occupying a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of people on email. Those are the time sucks. Yeah. So what? So to answer your question, I start there with the stuff which is not really critical, which is just sapping your time. Delegate it, ignore it, or shrink it. That'll help a lot. Then you can say, wow, what are the critical skills? What are, what's the work? What's the real work that I'm doing that the client is paying for, right? Then once you have, you 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 bought some time in terms of being smart about how you're using it. Then you actually have time to sit down with someone and mentor them on a project. Hey, why don't you come over here and look over my shoulder as I do that? Hey, why don't you come into this meeting? 
why don't you take a, a stab at it and let me review what you're doing. Why don't you come up with a plan of how you're going to approach this and let's sit down and talk about it. You have more patience, but if you don't take care of the drains on your time, you're not going to have time for what I would call meaningful interactions that really mentor and teach people to do the work themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Then you can be, because it is challenging to play that role of, wow, my work is really now just to review somebody else's work. And somebody said this the other day. Um, I said, I said, how's it going? He says, well, you know, it's, it's going okay, but Sometimes I wake up, I say, what's, what value am I bringing? Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm not doing the work as much. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But, yeah. but you're, you're focusing on things that are going to advance the office and have a bigger impact. And that's what I wanted to do anyway, mm-hmm. right? It, it doesn't mean that you still won't be doing work, usually because you have to, most firms have to bill anyway. So it's not like, there's not a lot of people who can just like, yeah, I don't bill any work, but it's finding a balance yeah. where you're where you're spending more time doing the kind of work that's really meaningful. Does that make sense? It does. And I guess there's a there's a aha moment or an evolutionary change that kind of happens when you start doing that. Because as you rise to a higher level of responsibility, yeah. you find that the impact of your work might not be as specific. Yeah. But it's more transferred to the organization. Very, they're very good. So you're doing organizational change. Exactly. So it's a broader impact, not as much of a specific. Yeah. Kind of yeah. I mean, it's really simple. If people want to know, how do I start on this? The first thing you have to do is start saying, what am I doing right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second question, is this the best use of my time? And you make that point of listing it out, of actually like you know, taking it. and listing out your day <laughs> and saying, what here yeah, can I di- identify? Exactly. I, t- I still do that now. I mean, somebody asked me last night, a friend of mine said, do you have a coach, right? Like, how do you know how to do this stuff? Yeah. I said, well, I when whenever I tell someone like you right yeah. now, where I write about it, or I'm coaching, I'm in a class or talking about it i'm just reinforcing it for myself yeah i mean it's just requires constant repetition really i should be doing this i should delegate it this is stupid i was doing it the other day i was going through old columns that i wrote and recycling them for linkedin posts i'm like nope stop stop that (laughs) you gave two examples so that your administrative assistant the person you hired Mm -hmm can go ahead and do this. Let yeah. it, let it go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I, and it's, it's a good point. And I mean, honestly, you, you, you know, one of the things that I liked in the book is I think it's one of those things that once I read it, I'm like, ah, oh, it makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. But until I read it, I didn't really realize it. But you talk about when you start bringing on people under you as, as direct reports and, and, and you start giving them, you know, responsibility is to actually sit down and do an authority audit. Yeah. Right. And right. actually set, the goalposts oh. so that you have that confidence as a manager to be able to say, mm-hmm. I know the limits of everyone's authority and they know it too. So they're comfortable and they know what, yeah. what room they have to run, Yeah, but you already set that structure. So you almost have automatic accountability and an understanding of, of, of what everybody's role is in trying to achieve something. Right. And I would say that there's, Yes, then I would just build on that because there's really two parts of that conversation, and that is what's expected of somebody. In other words, you communicating, hey, this is your job. But the second part is just as important, that is what do they know 
or what the like what they what don't they know and what do they need to be developed on? Yeah. And what is what's their interest? Mm-hmm. So I did this workshop for um, ACEC recently on delegation, and I talked to someone who was at the at the webinar a couple months later at a function. I said, "Well, you know, was that useful?" And she said, "Yeah." She said, it really was. And she said, you know, what we started doing, she, she, they have a civil engineering firm, small, about nine people. And she says, I just came up with a spreadsheet. And I just thought what she came up with, which is so uh, elegant mm-hmm. and powerful. Okay, yeah. it's just a spreadsheet. And it has, I'm going to say three columns. Mm-hmm. Column A the tasks, the skills, the different things that they need done, that someone needs to do, right, in order to do work. Column B, is this something that you need to be, you need to develop? Mm -hmm. Is this something you want some help on? Like, what's your competence level on that? But the column C was, do you want to do it? That's a really important column. (laughs) Don't you think? Because what she was able to do is, uh, kind of match them up. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's just go to column C and see what people want to do. Yeah. And then see if, um, uh, if they need development in that, because you're going to be more inclined to put that energy into something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there's probably stuff that that person needs to do. Any, any, anyone yep. that's not on that list. That's it's like, life. yeah, okay, that's great. You know, I know that, um, uh, doing this certain section isn't something that you need to do. I need you to do it, but you're kind of training a little bit. It's like, you still need to, I know you want to do this stuff over here and I'll teach you on this, but by the way, you also need you this other stuff. Yeah. That, that's just how it is. Right? But it, it's, but it's acknowledging, yeah. it's acknowledging that you're actually, and she set the spreadsheet out and people filled it out. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, like why doesn't every firm do that? It's that's, so simple. Yeah. But it's part of this communication. It's part of, it's not a one-sided kind of thing. It's it's a conversation back and forth. Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? Where are you at? How can I, how can we work together? Where are you going, right? It's just, and it's not just a conversation on one side. I mean, Mm-mm. it's a two-sided conversation. I mean, and you have to actively listen and actively, you know, as a manager, you can't just do it as a performative thing. It's got to be an engaging conversation where you're actually, you know, taking an active role and, yeah. and taking those answers into consideration on exactly, you know, what comes next. And and I think part of that also you mentioned is the fact that you also have to hold people accountable. Yeah. That once you kind of set those expectations, um, you know, you can't shy away from. That's my, that's account. my next book, by the way. Oh, really? So <laughs> going into the accountability? I, yeah. Cause I don't, I don't, I intentionally didn't get into it because like that is such a resolving conflict, having difficult conversations, yeah. giving people feedback. That's not in the book because that's a whole, that's a whole different whole thing. world. Yeah. It's so it's, I mean, it's for me, it's fun because it's so rich and there's so much to that, yeah. but yes, you're right. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of this. That it's interesting because my, you know, the previous my previous life was in politics to an extent. I mean, mm. just working on staff and there's that idea of political capital, right? Mm. That, um, you know, you build up your political capital so you can spend it at some point. Right. And that kind of goes to the idea of the kind of the emotional bank account. Right. 
And there is um, an inter- interesting section in the book where you talk about the importance of that emotional bank account, right? And there's a quote from a there's a great quote from a um, a construction firm that you have here, and I just want to read that. Is that it's uh, from a developer, and it says construction's a messy business. Issues come up, and everyone, the client, contractor, architect, consultants, gets dirty. In the end, when you at when you're all done, you ask yourself. Who do you want to get back in the ditch with again? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that idea of, yeah. of uh, uh, you know, investing in relationships is, is part of that whole idea of being a trusted advisor to your clients, right? Mm-hmm. They might want X and you might see that they might need Y mm-hmm. and how do you get them to that mm-hmm. conclusion? Mm-hmm. It all goes to that, those, those kind of interpersonal communications and, mm-hmm. and, and that, that, if you if you don't have them, it takes a while to develop those things. No, you're right. Um, you know how go into I guess explain a little bit more about that emotional yeah know, emotional bank. Yeah, yeah, some so there are a couple of stories that come to mind. Um. So yes, so <clears throat> let me backtrack. You know, Maya Angelou said that people won't remember what you say; they won't remember what you do, but they'll remember how you make them feel. Yeah, and and that runs through all of our relationships um, internally with the staff and externally with clients and with other consultants and partners i mean it, if you when you start building relationships go things go well and you start burning those relationships things don't go well for you yeah. in lots of different ways in small ways or in large ways um, i was working with a a principal at an architectural firm. And I said, well, you know, I use this analogy of your mountain, right? Three yeah. years from now, where do you want to go? Yeah. Where, where are you going to be? And he said, I'd really like to be the go-to person for universities. If they have um, a new addition that they want to put on, I, I want to be the first person that they call. I said, oh, great. I said, well, what's, what's your challenge? He said, well, you know, a few years ago, um, I I uh, blew up in a meeting with the facility manager at one of the large universities here, mm-hmm. and I really made I really made a hole. Yeah, and um, it was it was bad, mm-hmm. and he didn't let me forget it. And and the point is that there are some holes you can't dig out. That of. You can't dig out of. <laughs> That's not, yeah. not, and then I said, well, what do you think you should do about that? And you know what he said? He says, you know what I feel like I need to do? I need to go back and explain to this person why they were wrong, why I was right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the approach. I'm like, oh my God. I said, yeah, why don't we try a different mountain here? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you try a different direction? Because this idea of withdraws, right? We make yeah. either deposits in relationships and we build, as you say, political capital or emotional capital, um, or we make withdrawals. Mm-hmm. It, it affects um, really, I mean, if I use the banking analogy, kind of a return on investment. It's yeah. it's like, you know, you either have money in the bank or you don't. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the relationship was new. So he didn't have any money in the bank. And guess what? He made a big withdrawal. Yeah. There was no equity there to draw from. He was bankrupt in that relationship. And, and that's not a good relationship to be bankrupt in is the yeah. major player at the local university because 
try try digging yourself out of the hole. Withdraws, and I, I, you know, I think this is important. Withdraws stick with us in three ways. One is how large of a hole or large of a withdrawal it is. If it's a big one, people don't forget. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's the frequency of that withdrawal. Yeah. You're always late. You're always late. You're always late. Right. It's just like they're little, those are like, like cuts of like uh, death by a thousand cuts kind yeah. of thing. Right. Um, and then the other one is recency. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if we're working together and I don't know, you threw me under the bus in the last meeting where you were kind of, you were, you were kind of sarcastic or something like that to me or like, and now you want my cooperation on a job? Like, uh, let's That's see, what's my last memory of yeah. Jeff? It wasn't good. That's a recency. So recency, frequency, and magnitude are ways of kind of measuring um, your emotional bank account and, and, um, uh, you know, I have the, the other story is that I have an architect who is a project manager who was really great with clients. Mm-hmm. And um, he made a lot of deposits by yeah. over delivering, meeting a schedule and beating the schedule, doing everything that the developer wanted. It was a hotel developer. And of course, developers are all about time. Mm-hmm. Like the quicker, the better time is money, that kind of thing. Get me in. And, the problem was that it was burning the staff out. So he was making deposits with the client and withdraws with his team. Yeah, that's that's an important point because you can have a yes. situation where it's just not a one for one. It's not every, one for every, one. It's that say do ratio that you kind of put in. It is the say do ratio. So that yeah, you can overcommit to the client, but it means for your team right. you're burning that right. out. Right, right. Which what I recommend well, no, let me get into that in a second. Let me finish the story because I have a I have a have a recipe for this. So what he did, so what happened is I was talking about this concept of deposits and withdrawals and how you need to be making them both with your team and with your clients. Well, the next class he comes in, I said, did anybody make any progress? And he raises his hand. He said, yeah. I said, uh, I had a really interesting thing happen. I had a developer push back on the schedule and say he wanted to accelerate it and get in sooner. And this time I said, no, Mm -hmm. I said, you know, we can't do that. My staff is already working nights and weekends and we can't make this. Our plates are already full. And you know, and the developer said, okay, that's fine. And you know why? Because he had political capital. This guy had said yes so many times that he could afford to say no in this case. But, but here's the deal. When he went back to his team and said, we're going to stick with the schedule. And I pushed back he made a huge deposit Yeah, back on, you know, there's, there's withdrawals you can make that are so big that people will remember them. It's the same thing with the deposit. You can make yep. a deposit that's so big that people will remember that too. And that was a powerful lesson for him to say, you don't always need to say yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that's why I say, if you're going to go after a job, do this. First, if you're going to sit down and talk to the client, get the scope, try to find out what's going on. Before you make a commitment, go back to your team mm-hmm. and say, here's what the client wants. Yep. What's our capacity to do this? Can we do this? What other commitments do we have? Let's check our bank accounts because you don't want to make withdrawals either with other clients or with the team. Yeah. 
And it's such a simple thing. You may end up going back and saying yes to the client, but rather than say yes to the client, go back to him and say, hey, guess what? You know, we got another job. It's like, really? That's a withdrawal. Because yeah. you didn't even check with us. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's, it's that additional question at the end of a, of a, of a team meeting of, of just going around the table and saying, how does everybody kind of feel about this? How's everybody, how's, how's it sitting with everybody? It's not that hard. Yeah. It just requires a, a meeting. That's and, all. And it's and, an important meeting. But everybody saw, you know, this is where it, it, again, a lot of this is like, it makes absolute sense when you read it. And it is that, like you said it, it earlier, it's that constant repetition mm -hmm. and making it part of your daily practice because right. there are these little things that you can do that make a huge impact both on your team's development and how they feel and how they're, you know, doing work on the, on the firm and that how that impacts the firm at large. And then the work on the client is these little questions that you can ask and kind of gauge, not just, you know, the actual timetables and schedules of delivery on the project work, but then also, you know, the health and wellness of the people around you. Right. And it's important to actually take those steps. Yeah. You know, it blows me away. I mean, it's so, it's such a weird thing about this industry. And when I say this industry, I mean, AEC, yeah. everyone, if, if a client comes through the door and says, can you do this? Most of the time they say, yeah, mm -hmm. they say yes. Then they figure out how to do it. Yeah. Now, if you're a dry cleaner, you do not go into your dry cleaner and says, I, here's my shirt and my pants. I need it by three o'clock today. They're going to say, no, there's mm -hmm. other tickets in front of you you go to a restaurant and said i want to eat now they say we're full yeah or we'll have a table in an hour they don't say yeah we'll go ahead and we'll just we'll <laughs> we'll displace the people yeah. in front of us it blows me away it's why, like why do you think that is i mean it, I it, you know, know it's, it's crazy isn't it but it but i hear it too i mean it's and it's <laughs> i think that the yeah, I mean, there's a, and it's great because you know you you on one end you're very very client focused and you want to deliver mm -hmm. for the client, mm -hmm. but at the same time it's that willingness to kind of put yourself in jeopardy to say yes. You know what I you know what I I, I really think, um, part of it has to do with is that there was a, a trauma that went through the whole industry in '08. Yeah, with the recession, and you know what. A lot of people, they don't, while they don't remember it, they can't, they do kind of, you know, trauma is like one of those things that resonates and stays with you. And, and I just have a sense, I, I have no documentation to this. It's just my sense is that people are afraid of saying no, because they never know when, when there's going to be again. another, they just don't know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, everybody's working crazy. Everything is still on fire. I mean, no one has any time. And they're just saying, yes, 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 because they're like, well, I got starper nuts. You know, there may be another blizzard or whatever <laughs> analogy you want yeah. to, you know, another drought or something like that. And I think it's, it's totally emotional, mm -hmm. but it's, I think that's what's driving a little bit of that. Got to say yes, got to say yes, got to say, we don't want to lose anybody. Wow. Because if we say no here, they may go to another firm and we'll never see them again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a, I mean, yeah, I mean, but that's, you know, I, I was at a PR firm for a while and it's the same idea. It's like, you don't want to say, you know, it, it was, it was, it, it, it took a while for us to realize that we could say no to an RFP. We always wanted to say yes, because right. we, 
it, it was a big jump for us to go and say, you know what? The juice isn't worth the squeeze. The client work would be too much for what we have going on. It doesn't meet with our strategic priorities and to say no. Right. And when that first happened, there was a weird, right. weird feeling. Right. Because it was a decision not to go after business. That's right. And it was the same thing, competitive marketplace, small firm competing with the big national, international firms. And you just had to feel like you had to say yes to everything because if you did that, then that client would never come back to you. Right. But you never know. They could go to someone else and they could have a bad experience and they can come back. It's it's rolling the dice. You know, um, your story kind of reminds me about, in my book I talk about this, um, one of my colleagues who I've done a bunch of training with, Mike Baker, is a senior vice president at uh, David Evans. And he says, you know, you have to be careful about what you say yes to because it's building your resume. It's it's building your resume. It's building your team. It's informing what kind of work you do. And, you know, if you say yes and pursue the right kind of opportunities and be intentional about it, you know, then you're doing work with people you really enjoy doing. And, and a lot of, a lot of this industry does reward loyalty. I mean, look, <laughs> people are, you know, they don't, they don't want to work that hard to try to find someone to work with. Yeah. You know, if they, if they like a, if they like a civil engineer, it's like, guess what? They can pick up the phone. And as long as you're kind of in the ballpark, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, well, let's do it again. You know, they, don't want it to go through the process unless of course is a, a lot of the public process you're sort of forced to go into that but even then um there's there's you know there's a lot of loyalty and there's a lot of reward for yeah for, so what I, all i'm saying is that when you say no to those opportunities that don't feel right for some reason that strategically are not going to advance you to where you want to be or as a firm then it just frees you up to focus on the right kind of clients. Yeah. That's all. And that is scary. That is saying no, but it's saying right is saying yes for the, to the right stuff. Yeah. It's, it goes back to that quote. It's the idea of who do you want to get back in the ditch with? Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's as long as you're producing good quality work yep. and it's just not the, you know, it's the deliverable, but it's also the process of getting there. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's a lot we could cover here. And, and I think this is, this is, hopefully the start of, of multiple conversations. Yeah, I, I yeah. kind of want to round out where we, where we actually use, where you start the book. Sure. And again, it's that idea. You take that Neil Gaiman quote yeah, about yeah, uh, yeah. the mountain. Yeah. And you kind of identify it as what's your mountain, yeah. right? What's the goal that you're trying to get to mm -hmm. as an individual, as a, as a, as a leader mm -hmm. and kind of defining that and then kind of figuring out how you're going to get there. And a lot of the lessons here kind of add into, is it going to take you closer to or further away from that mountain? Right. So what's, what's, what's your mountain? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I had to do my own kind of soul searching on that because I wrote the book and <laughs> I, you know, I was like, okay, I got that done. That was part of my mountain. My mountain was to be debt free mm -hmm. and we paid off our mortgage. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my mountain was to walk the uh, Camino with my wife. I did 275 miles um, uh, last October. I mean, there's so much that I set out on my yeah. mountain that I've accomplished um, that for the last six months, I've been actually asking that question. And, and it's funny because 
Uh, I am, you know, when you talk about this work-life balance kind of thing, yeah. for me, there's a little more hev- heavily emphasis on life, mm-hmm. the life part, because I'm 65. I want to stay engaged. I want to be doing things like this. Yeah. To me, it's energizing. I don't want to just be like, pushing a shopping cart down at, you know, Fred Meyer and see what are those canned tomatoes or are they on sale or maybe I'll go down yeah. to the other aisle kind of thing. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> I like food shopping and I, and I, I love the kitchen, but it can't but be your life. No, I, it, I can't be my life. So for me, I'm always looking for kind of the next challenge and but it's finding that balance. And, um, and it's also for me, building some community along the way and yeah. collaborating what that looks like. I'm not really sure. So I'm actually in the process of figuring out, wow, well, like three years from now, what is my mountain? Um, I've, I've been kind of thinking about that. And, and, and I think that's okay, especially when you go through a transition, you know, which is William Bridges wrote that book on transitions. He talks about when you end one phase, which for me was really kind of like, doing work all the time. And now it's like being kind of retired. There's that natural stage in any kind of between that of not knowing. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of letting myself kind of figure that out. Yeah. I think that if you ask me that question six from six months from now, I'll have a a better, better answer, but I am kind of, I've been asking myself that question. So yeah. (laughs) Travels on there. Yeah, that's definitely. Good. Yeah. So that's that's number one. Doing more podcasts, doing more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think I might actually have. I keep thinking about this. I want to give some more time, but I'm thinking there's another book in there. So I'll well, you already mentioned book. the the, the difficult did. conversations, the conflict. <laughs> I so, did. I mean, there you go. I know. So I think I'm kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's you know we mentioned uh, at the uh, the intro about the, uh, the 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 pie making. Um, Growing up, my father was, he's, he's in the same position. He's just now trying to disengage and mm-hmm. he's in his mid seventies and mm-hmm. I don't think he would ever stop. Mm-hmm. He was an economist uh, for a long time and then he went into teaching and, uh, you know, because he doesn't do anything halfway, he became head of his chair of the department. Right. You know, and right. and, and I'm like, well, you're trying to, you're trying to scale back on your chair of the department. <laughs> and uh, he's finally decided to make the switch and, and he's trying to figure out things. And uh, the one thing that he always did to relax, his main therapy for stress was pie making. Mm. He would sit back and he would make, and he was, got really good. Yeah. And he always wanted to kind of start a pie business. Nice. And I think that was kind of his his mountain for a while. I think it's kind of transitioned to something else now more. more. He likes to take astrophotography. He's gotten into oh, that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He loves it. He's, oh. he's yeah. He's got so all the he's equipment. all into the whole oh, James Webb yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh my and god. He's out there at two o'clock in the morning. Oh my god, that's uh, awesome. Taking pictures. Yeah, it's great. It's and, and I love it. I love it's it. just it's just funny because you know you don't have the mountain. I guess the whole idea is the mountain can change. It and does. You, you can look at a different range. It um, does. Yeah. I had somebody. Uh, was an architect who was. Oh, let's see. I guess he was an associate principal. So he was trying to figure out what's my mountain. And he says, what if you don't know what your mountain is? And then he stopped and he thought, "Hmm, maybe if I just continue to walk, maybe the mountain that I think I'm going towards or I'm moving towards will reveal itself or there'll be another mountain behind it. Yeah. 
but I really think it's about having a general sense of where you want to go. Like I'm a very, and it's, it's true about the book. It's like, I'm like the president of the, uh, uh, hair club for men kind of thing where I've tried all the different principles in my book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm not just a, yeah, I'm, just I'm not just the founder, I'm the client. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I'm pretty organized in terms of, making lists, setting goals. My wife, on the other hand, is not. She's more like, if I ask her, hey, what's your mountain? Where do you want to be in three years? She says, I don't know. I'm not like you that way. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, but do you have a general sense? Yeah. Yeah, I want to basically be doing more of my time here and less of it here. I'm like, okay, well, you do have a mountain. Mm -hmm. It's a general direction of what makes sense that you're going to, but she's not on a timeline. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more... Um, By this structured, time, I, I am. I'm a little yeah. bit more milestone. I'm becoming less that way, mm -hmm. but it's important to kind of have those, um, you know, a general a general sense of where you want to go. Yeah. I, I I think, and you know what? I had a friend of mine who's been retired for 20 years read this book, and he said, you know, it's interesting because it really got me thinking about my mountain. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I guess some people are okay with the idea of not having a goal or a direction. For me, uh, my mother was a big influence and she's the, you know, who I dedicate the book to because she was really someone who has always had personal goals. She was always stretching, even in her well into her nineties, she never gave up. Yeah. You know, I went to a, she came into town into Portland and, she was having problems with her mobility and getting around. She lived to be 97, but she was probably 94 when she came and visited me last time in Portland and um, her hearing was going and it was really bad. She wasn't able to actually go and hear a, um, a reading of the Ernest Shackleton's adventures in Antarctica which I was hoping that she'd be able to do. Yeah. She was upset she couldn't do it because of the acoustics in the church. So she stayed at home and waited for me. She says, no, go ahead and do it. But she was someone who walked like every day for like five miles mm -hmm. up in the up in the Adirondacks, like negative yeah. 20 degrees, right? Mm -hmm. Walking down these country roads. Anyway, so I'm sitting there waiting for the Shackleton presentation. She's home. And I happen to... I, go to turn off my phone and, and I look and she's texted me said, Hey, do you think we could walk five miles tomorrow? I was like, how awesome is that? Yeah. You know, it's really, it's an inspiration for me to just always be setting some goals and pushing myself, you know, yeah. whatever it could be pie making like your dad. Mm -hmm. um, it could be music, which is, you know, probably what's occupied more of my time to, do recording. I'm going to be going up to Maine and playing music with my nephews and my brothers and sisters. And, you know, anyway, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the important thing is, is you gotta, you gotta, yeah, even if you don't want, know what it is, when you start out on the journey of, of, of trying to grow professionally, it, it is at least considering the idea of what is the mountain? What is the end point? Where do you want to be? What do you want to accomplish and how are you going to get there? I, I think it's, if I were to say, what's the one thing I would hope people would get out of this book? Yeah. It's that very thing is that you really actually have more 
control over your career than you think you do. Yeah, it's a question of actually it, what's being, a, of being an active participant. Well, in it. it's and it's also kind of knowing basically what works for you, mm-hmm. what you're interested in, and pursuing that and advocating for yourself and choosing. Like, for instance, you want to get into stormwater projects, well, then find somebody in the office who's doing that, who's really good at that, or who's outside the office. Read up on it. Go to conferences. I mean, invest in yourself. No one is going to do this for you. It's not going to fall in your lap. Okay. Occasionally, it falls into your lap. But for the most part, if you want to make things happen for yourself, get on the right teams, get the right mentors. You do it. Don't ask for it. Don't don't be whining in a review and like, I'm not getting any support. People aren't showing me. It's like, figure out yourself. That's what leaders do. They don't they don't ask for it. They go out and go for it. But it starts with you, what you're interested in. I yeah. mean, just and you don't need to be fancy about it. Just like try something. If you start going down stormwater, like, boy, this is really boring. It's like, okay, that's fine. What's next? Try something else. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because there's something completely unrelated where it's like you know, in in, in there's somebody out there. Um, won't get into specifics, but it's he's, he recently um, started a, a a a kind of a kind of not a GoFundMe, but he started his own company to to produce a book, and um, you know he 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 raised, I mean, over one point six million in the first like seventy two hours, right? And, wow. and, and, but, but people are like, Oh my God, like, how did that happen? Well, yeah. for the past like 10, 15 years, he's had a YouTube channel. He's had different things. He's been building an audience. He's been slowly doing it. So it's not like people are surprised at the number and the short amount of time he got to get there, but actually not really, because if you look at it and spread it across all those years, he's actually been developing it. Right. It's just the result of his own work trying to get exactly. to that point. Very good. And it's, it's, it's just that example of like, actually, no, it's not luck. It's like the old saying, right? It's, it's, it's preparation and it's doing the work. And then you find yourself, it's not luck. It's just being there because you've actually laid the groundwork. So it's, it's. Yeah. I love that story. And I, you know, you wonder if 10 or 15 years ago, he actually knew where he was going to end up. He maybe didn't, maybe he just had a sense that what I need to do is build up my audience in this particular space. Yeah. And then later it ends up becoming, I, I don't know, a book or something like that. In other words, if you just start moving in that direction of like this, this is the thing that seems to make sense. You know, I mean, I'm doing that now. I mean, now that the book is done, I'm, building up my LinkedIn stuff, right? Yeah. I'm building up my social media. It's like, I guess that's my work now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing podcast interviews. You know, I'm, I'm, I, things will ha- happen from it. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's part of just a, yeah, as you say, it's, it's doing the steps, it's laying the groundwork. But it, this, what you're saying is directly applicable to anybody who is in AEC. Absolutely. This is not a marketing thing. No, this is this it's just is investing, investing in, you know, when I talk to people who are like real engineers, because I'm not an engineer, but I, I've got friends who are real engineers, like, yeah, no, I get it. It's, I've done the same thing. I was intentional about my career and I did these steps and I reached out and I made it happen and, 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 and I was successful because I did it. But it's really, don't wait for it. Don't ask for it. Yeah. Well, I really do recommend everyone to pick up a copy of, of the book from the ground up um, stories and lessons from architects and engineers who learn to be leaders. So Leo, when, you know, the book, where, where can people get it? And when's it, you know, it's, it's, it's 
it's coming out. It's all online. It's all online. Yeah, it's all online. So, um, of course, it's got to be Amazon, right? Yes, that's the number one. And, uh, you know, Amazon, I'm wearing my marketing guy. (laughs) They, you know, they drive visibility. uh, Uh But there's Barnes and Noble, uh, local vendors, uh, Powell's, uh, local to Portland. uh, And then there's some other options. So if you go to, L-E-O-M-A-C-L-E-O-D.com and hit the tab for From Ground Up. You'll get information on the book. You can you can read a sample chapter. There's the buttons there for the retailer links. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah. Then you, then you have some of the lessons in a in a, an online format called Pocket Tools, right? Yeah, so I basically just squashed chapters and I put it into an online course. So they are, they're videos. So I've got firms that, um, or individuals that will buy it and they'll buy a set of seven modules mm-hmm. and they have homework assignments yeah. and they're discussion guides. And it's, it's just a different format. It's for people who don't want to sit down and read 30 pages of how to yeah. delegate, but one in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like most people, right? Yeah. Well, and we'll have all the links in the uh, the show notes uh, on the episode and uh, really recommend everybody out there to get a copy because it is uh, chock full of good, actionable information, uh, lessons, and, and things that really will help you uh, not only identify the mountain, but kind of figure out the road to get there. So, Leo, thanks again for Thank coming. Thank you, in. Jeff. It was I really a pleasure. It. Really fun yeah. to talk to you. It was a great conversation, and 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 uh, hope to have you back on when that uh, the next book comes out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sounds good. I guess I guess you just you're defined, on the hook you, now. Find my mountain. Yes, exactly. Okay. You're about. Let right me write there. that down. Exactly. <laughs> well, again, this has been Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies, and we will see you next time.